The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits. We remind each other of that aspect each and every week is that there's a big difference between being intentional and having good intentions. It's the difference of people who continue to move forward and make choices and live with their purpose and their goals and show up no matter what is going on in the external world. And that is no different for our guest today, Hillary Ramo. We're delighted that she is here. She is an advocate for nature. She brings so much to the table, and I'll give her the opportunity within this hour to tell us all about the incredible work that she's doing. Hillary, thanks for being on our show today. Hi, Temple. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, start us way back, you know, uh, how did you get on a, a journey of uh, wanting to be a difference maker, uh, a change agent? Um, is there a particular part in your course where your path changed or did you have some aha moment or give us a whole story about you and who you are? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. <laughs> That's a big, big question. I started radio in 2005. I, I began my career in terrestrial radio in upstate New York on AM talk radio. And I moved to online radio in about 2008. And I just retired, so to speak, last year. And uh, what started my journey in radio, really, I was on a spiritual path. I have a background in uh, business, and I also have a background in healing arts. So I mixed those two up for a few years, got into radio because it just was, it kind of landed in my lap, to be honest with you. Uh, I did a couple shows as a guest. I really enjoyed radio. I really liked being on the air. I liked talking. I liked all of it. So I decided to start my own show, and I was very fortunate to work with some great people along the way. And here I am writing a book all these years later, <laughs> picking out 20 fabulous conversations um, from my 13-year career on the air and hoping that it offers that gift of change and transformation to readers because, as you might know, switching from radio to books kind of is you know, sometimes perceived as two different industries, but yet uh, this was a really great transition to take some of the, these fabulous conversations and put them into print and then to pick, not only pick them out of all the content that I had over the years, but uh, to also put them in an order that would serve a purpose as well for the reader. Um, my journey began, oh gosh, when I was a kid, really. I had fabulous parents, fabulous grandparents, and my, my creativity was encouraged along the way. And uh, off I went into exploring different things as I grew up and ended up finding my way to Lynn Andrews and other teachers along the way who did uh, what would be considered alternative teachings, meditation, shamanic work, and I was in the business world at that time, so it was a really interesting balancing act between 
doing the business mindset and doing the holistic creative mindset. So I had a lot of practice for a few years and bumps and challenges and things along the road that changed and shifted me. Um, you know, becoming a mother certainly added to that as well. So uh, lots of life-changing things along the way that really added to the seasoning of what I brought to the air. I love that underneath everything that you are about is this driven aspect of yourself that you really care about nature. And, um, you know, I'm always shocked by that. I was talking to somebody the other day about they were asking me if I was going to the Parliament of the World Religions. And I said, no, not this particular year. But one of the things that's always so shocking for me in the connection with anything that's interfaith or learning about other uh, modalities or methodologies of life or or God or spirit or whatever it's called, you know, whatever people call the name. Um, it always is so shocking to me that so many people don't automatically feel that nature is a synonym for all of that. And um, I love it when I meet people like yourself that nature kind of weaves in and out of everything that you're about and everything that you're doing. And so uh, that's a, a humble opinion of one person on the planet. But I just want to say thank you for highlighting that and, and making it part of your life work because I'm an advocate for life. I've founded Life Rights back in 2008. I feel so passionate about it, so strong about, you know, that inherent children being in nature, understanding life matters, and it kind of all starts from there. So thank you for that. Well, you know, growing up, I didn't have the internet, and I didn't have cell phones, and I didn't have the iPads and the screen time that kids have now. So, you know, when I was growing up, my mother would send us outside. My my siblings and I would go outside and play, and we would be subject to our own imaginations and however that fit into the to the workings of the day. And we had a large piece of land and we really had a wonderful time being outside all the time. And I didn't realize what a treasure that was because I can't imagine my life without it. Um, it really taught me to be appreciative, to enjoy it, to find, to find solitude. In 2014, I started a project called Love Breathes for Earth. It was a living hypothesis of what happens when you combine human love with meditation and nature. And so I organized 13 global meditations throughout two years and had people just find a spot out in nature and conjure up their meaning of love, their memories of love, whatever love means to them. No protocol whatsoever, nothing to believe in. And just ask them to share a picture and some words about what their experience was like. And it was, I, I didn't, had no idea it would take off the way that it did. It, it became quite a thing. And uh, over the years, I, I asked people if they wanted to, you know, tell me where they were joining in from. And I would tack their locations on a big, huge world map. And as an artist, I always find some way to create something beautiful out of something. And so I started to paint those big designs on the world map onto large canvases. And I created 13 uh, large canvases that depict these locations where everybody joined in for these group meditations. And, I, and the, the overall, what came out of that really was 
um, a consistent appreciation for the fact that I didn't tell them how to do it. There was no protocol. There was nothing to believe in. You were on your own to think about what love meant for you individually, because I really believe it means different things for everybody. And uh, then they were able to have the feedback from nature. So wherever they chose to have the meditations, uh, the interaction really was between them and nature. And then I get to see the side effect of that, you know, the, the feedback and the result. And it was always very happy and joyous and grateful. And I really think that, you know, that we needed that. Maybe it was a time frame where these people gathered and, and participated and shared and did what they needed to do um, because we all needed it for some reason. And I, I miss it, to be honest with you. I miss, I miss the group interaction. People say, well, how come you don't do them anymore? And I said, well, we did it for two years. And, you know, then it just becomes something people, I wanted to encourage people to do it on their own, to share it with people, to do it in their own, their own families, their own communities, their own circles. And, uh, you know, so they did, and they, it kind of took off from there and is out in the world somehow working its magic. But um, the most feedback that I got on a regular basis was not only that, but also how much they didn't realize they missed the connection of just sitting outside and feeling the wind and feeling the sun and listening to the leaves rustle without the phone in their hand or returning emails or trying to think of what they have to do in the moment that keeps them so connected digitally. So the biggest thing was really that separation of digital world to nature. And I think as we've become more of a digital age and we've become more dependent on technology, uh, we're watching that this, this really awful separation happen between people and nature. And so I be, I've, I'm always an advocate for the remembrance of, hey, go outside, take some time out. Don't just go sit out and eat lunch on the picnic table. Go for a walk, go through the woods, go on a mindful walk. You know, sometimes we get so excited about walking as fast as we can because we have to try to burn off lunch. We miss we miss the flowers, we miss the birds, we miss the things that are really, I think, craving our attention, too. No doubt about it. I mean, it, it's just such a, it, it's like I share with people that, you know, we're all, we're just such one in the same. I mean, it's what we're made of. I It was Alan Watts that said, we're born out of the earth and we will return to the earth. I mean, that's that's our whole process and that, that connection. So, um, I'm so glad that you called attention to it. And it sounds like that many people are continuing to carry it through. And I think if people could learn to live more in the both and world instead of the either or, and I feel a lot of times people make decisions of, you know, an either or, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm inside. I do work on my computer. What do you want me to do? Well, that's, both and can be you can do both. I mean, you know, you can mm -hmm. still take breaks. Like you said, it's amazing what five minutes to 15 minutes just outdoor time can do. It's good medicine. It keeps you often from having to take the other kind of medicine, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, like we say around here a lot, a lot, you know, is it meditation or medication? You know, not that that's, again, a one size fits all. But it definitely makes a difference and it, it grounds a person into that place of, of energy and 
and, and reality. Good for you for being an advocate. When did your book, the show transcripts, Hillary Ramo show transcripts. And for those of you that are tuning in, you can go to Hillary's website, Hillary with two L's, Ramo, R-A-I-M-O.com. And you can find out about the tremendous work she's not only been doing, but continues to do. So be sure and um, check out her work, if you will. Um, how did the idea of the of the birth? I know you alluded to it early on, and it was kind of like the next the next phase. But um, was there a a particular calling or feeling, or uh, did did a group of people urge you to do it? Did it seem like the next part of your your path? I know you made a reference to being retired. Was that at thirty five? I mean, because you look. <laughs> 35 on the website. I'm like, is well, I'm 45, that retirement or entitlement? That. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm 45, but thank you. I, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, yes, absolutely. Of course. I wouldn't moment. say it out loud otherwise, not on the air. <laughs> well, there was, there was, there was an exact moment where the idea hit me. It was fabulous. And I'd love to share it because what I shared before really was the, you know, the general progression of everything, but I was out in the, the Pacific Northwest area. I had been invited to come visit and photograph the world's largest to scale crystal and mineral collection. Um, and I was very excited about this and I was I happened to be out there and, and the day that I was scheduled to go to, to do it was the summer solstice of last year. So I flew out there. I had only had four days I had to squeeze in, but I, I had a friend who lives out there and she hosted me for the four days and we went and we did some hiking out there, which is just beautiful area, beautiful nature, woods, the, the forests out in the Pacific Northwest are fabulous. So when I went to, to do the, the job, I was, I was just so taken back by how though these crystals and these specimens are, can be anywhere up to car size. So it's in a secret location. I can't disclose where it was. They're working on putting a museum together. Uh, it all happened with a simple Facebook post of a few months earlier where I was looking for a large crystal for my garden. And, you know, this is the magic of connection and technology and social media. I was put in touch with somebody who, who owned this collection, and they invited me to come and photograph it and experience it. So I did. And uh, I was... I was literally putting my hands on this gigantic quartz crystal about the size of a, of, of a small car, and I leaned forward a little bit just to experience it because what I felt as soon as I walked into this warehouse was that these specimens were like earth elders. They were. It was like somebody had gone around the world and gathered up a collection of the ancient old earth elders and was taking care of them and the guardian of them and, and the hopes to build the museum. I saw the plans was just a spectacular way to have people experience these. Um, so I, I, when I leaned into this gigantic quartz crystal, I just cleared my mind and was just in such a state of joy and gratitude for being able to experience this. And uh, my friend who, was, who happened to come along with me snapped a beautiful photograph of this moment. And as I was sitting there, it just kind of hit me right in the face. Now, you would think that I'm having this moment with this giant crystal and, you know, it's going to be some ah uh, moment, right? And it was put 
some transcripts in a book and publish it. That was my gigantic message from you know this moment. And I was like, wow, that was not what I expected at all. And I just kind of smiled and put put the thought in the back of my head because, you know, I really wanted to be really present with this experience. I spent about four hours with this collection. And uh, it, that, that thought just never went away. And then, when, of course, when I flew back to New York, I said to myself, I really have to take that serious because it was such an incredible moment. And it was so clear. It was almost like... Uh, unbelievable really when I was telling people about it they just kind of they couldn't they looked at me and were like whoa <laughs> I think you have to do that so I had to start the extraordinary journey of organizing my content which I'll admit I had not done such a great job of over 13 years but that took me a few months just to organize it it was a tremendous amount of work and then I had to pick which conversations am I going to put into this book and that must have really been quite a process because if you were doing it for 13 years, <laughs> that, a lot that, of material. that took some material. doing, didn't it? Was there a particular <laughs> way that you went, okay, you're, you're the one, you're the one of the 20 that I'm picking or how did you well, I sat down and into I that? Said, I said, throw me, them all on the floor yeah, and pick was. them up. I'm just being silly. Of course not. But yeah, no, no, there was, there, of course there was because, you know, with so much content, I had to I had to kind of go through it first to see what definitely wasn't going to be in it. And I loved all my guests over the years, and I really I really felt very uh, motherly towards all those conversations. Like you know, because these were like all my kids. You know, seven hundred plus hours of kids <laughs> running around, and I loved every single moment that I had with my guests. I handpicked them over my my run myself. I never had anybody else who scheduled my people or I did, never did scripted shows. I, I really sought after who I was going to have on the air and I, I read their books and I made sure I knew their material before they came on because I didn't want to just give another scripted publicist issued ask these questions show like everybody else did. I wanted to be able to say, well, hey, you've never talked about this. What about this? And most of the time after the shows, I would get the most wonderful feedback from my guests about how they really enjoyed the conversation and that they had never been able to really talk. Nobody had ever asked them those questions before. So they would often take the file and, of course, pass it along. And that's big. That's good business. So it was a really a win-win for everybody. Everybody had a nice time. So picking these 20 people, I thought about where we were at today because a lot of these conversations took took place over the past decade. And I said, well, what's on people's minds today? And what are the conversations happening today? And where are we at? And what conversations have I had in the past that would help give hindsight value, if anything, to the reader? I mean, I wanted to pick topics on subjects that were pertinent and relevant to today's uh, people and what's on people's minds. So, uh, you know, technology is a big thing on people's minds, certain industries, certain progressions of disclosure, healing practices, all of that stuff is so important. And uh, so I, I, that's how I really did uh, sift through it all was kind of go through comparing what, what's important today and why would people want to read this book if these conversations took place in the past? Who cares, right? Well, you know, some of this information is really important and you can put a file on the internet and it can get lost in the landfill, uh, but you can also get lost in the landfill of books too. So this had to be 
special. So I really felt like I did a great job of pulling together 20 conversations that help guide people through the landfill of information, especially in alternative media, because I consider myself an alternative media radio host over the past you know, 13 years. And how does it compare to mainstream media, mainstream information? We're really seeing a big crackdown on uh, being able to just say whatever you want and give whatever kind of material you want, and there's a lot of changes happening. And so I felt that these were really important conversations that people needed to be reminded of, that these took place years and years and years ago. And if you go look at the industry today, you can see the progression of where we've gone. And sometimes it's not good and sometimes it's great. So it really just depended on which topic um, that we were talking about. And each chapter stands on its own as its own entity of information. So, for example, you know, I, t I have a conversation with Dr. Judy Wood uh, on 9-11. I have conversation with Dr. David Lewis Anderson on time travel technologies. Uh, Gail Rex, who, who talked about healing the living landscape with acupuncture methods. Uh, John Perkins, who wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who who is a founder of the Disclosure Project, and Phil Corso Jr., day after Roswell, um, Hillary Carter, who talked about the 11-11 phenomena. I mean, it's almost like any book topic that you might want to read, there's a little bit of everything in here. Well, speaking of 11-11, um, would you elaborate on that a little bit? And we've had 11-11 projects here and screening of artists and, you know, there's 1111 Magazine and um, what is your kind of takeaway or your kind of overview well, the, the, the of the power of 1111 or the number 1111? Are we talking yeah. just the calendar part or the time of day? Uh, I was with someone yesterday that sets their clock, um, their clock, their iPhone every day for 1111 and it beeps and then they do gratitude. So I thought that was hmm. kind of cool. That's cool. Well, I had had this, I was having these experiences where 1111 was showing up for me all over the place, whether it's on the clock or on my receipts or, you know, just coming up mm -hmm. in different ways. Like it, it seems for me, I think it follows synchronicity and it's a, it's a synchronicity reminder so if you're following synchronicity as a way of life, numbers can speak to you, um, that different things can stand out. So when I was researching somebody to interview, I was looking through uh, one of the publisher's websites online, and uh, the woman who I interviewed, her name is Hillary Carter, and she's from the UK, and she wrote a book called The 1111 Code. And of course, they had just put it out, so there was a big, huge picture of the cover. And I said, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to this woman. So I reached mm -hmm. out to the publisher right away. And I said, you know how this works. And yes. uh, I said, I need, to, I need to book this. So he put me in touch with her, and, that, and the rest is history. But she came on the show, and she's just this amazingly quaint, beautiful British woman. And she, her voice is just like little fairies talking. <laughs> she's just so charming. And uh, she has this beautiful story. I read her book as soon as I got it to prepare for the show. And she had real, she has really set her life to following the phenomena of the numbers. So 1111 is one of her mainstays. And she 
if it shows up somewhere, she'll stay and try to figure out what she's supposed to figure out there. So it's really about following synchronicity. And she did this fabulous story of how she bought this this ex-convent and she was she moved to another country and she wanted to turn it into a yoga studio. And she didn't get to do that because there were so many things happening at this particular building turned out to be haunted and there were things going on and then she did some research on the on the past of this building and it was it belonged to the templars at one point they you know there were scrolls buried there i mean it was just this enormous story that you just couldn't make up and you just sat there in awe as you're reading through this book about how her dedicating herself to following the synchronicity led to all of this being exposed so she, now she, I think she has three or four books out, but I did meet her in France. I was in France doing an artist residency a couple of years ago, and she lives in the U.K., and she also lives in France. So she found out I was coming, and we, we set a time to meet, and we went and visited the Lascaux Caves together. And what a tremendous experience that was. And we just kept finding our way to all these different little things because she just flows with whatever's going on, and she just trusts. And so anybody who's been around other people who live like that, they're very charming, they're very intriguing to be around. They don't they don't have their guard up, they're not trying to there's no agenda, it's just flow, 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 and that's exactly how our day went. Um I was just in London this past spring and I met her for lunch because she happened to be in the UK at the time and we had another fabulous day. We went to the British Museum. We float around the museum looking for different things, and it was just fabulous how the how the whole synchronistic coordination happened happens every single time i I find my way to her so some of these people I've interviewed over the years have become friends um and some of them have just stayed in touch and and I keep in touch with their work and I watch the progression of their work and it's just really a beautiful thing. Well, I have another book I think that would be really good for you, and that's, um, you know, like next to Robin Leach. It's like, how do you manifest the life that you love and and live it well? Because that's just written all over you, I must say. Um, I want to remind everyone of going to the website Hillary Ramo. That's Hillary with two L's. R-A-I-M-O dot com and checking out her work and watching this uh, woman live her dreams. We'll be right back after this short break and I'm so appreciative that you're with us today. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. 
Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, oh, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God as loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Find the truth within yourself that heals, reveals, guides, and transforms. Tune in to Reverend Galen McDowell every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms. Take a deep dive into the practical aspects of new thought teaching, starting with forgiveness, spiritual healing, prosperity, and more. Reverend McDowell welcomes some amazing guests, and topics can range from reincarnation to the Bible to science. Big plans to join the show here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes.
And welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Hillary Ramo. You can go to her website, hillaryramo.com, or you can go on unityonlineradio.org and access the channel and learn more about her. I would like to say that if you enjoy these types of conversations, please visit me at firstunity.org, First Unity Spiritual Campus, as well as Temple haze.com it's always a pleasure and and to have those of you that are tuning in from all over the world we we love your vibe we love your energy and we love hearing from you so facebook us uh, do any form of social media love to know what you're about and and what kind of uh, aha moments or epiphanies that you're having that are actually transformative and so hillary it's a it's a pleasure to be with you today and i, I just love this the whole vibe of of your energy and Um, As we were kind of laughing during break and what I was saying before we took a break is that um, (laughs) your next book could be, you know, how going with the flow (laughs) not only changed my life, but has made my life. And um, it it is true that often when we say, you know, oh, just go with the flow. uh, It's funny. um, I think sometimes it's uh, people that need to hear it the most uh, become reactive to that or my experiences become kind of reactive with that. Like, you know, like, what does that mean? Or life isn't that easy or, you know, it's this kind of barrier, this, this guard, but, uh, go with the flow is, is really designed to relax in the, the emotional chakra. And it, it just kind of, it brings in a, an opening. I mean, and so it's, it's really cool how that's been kind of that, you know, you have mother earth that's your, Father's God, that's your God light, but the going with the flow has really been transformative to you. How did you, did you get there? Did your mother give you a class or your dad, or did you go to a <laughs> class when you were little and say, Hillary, now the rest of the world's going to buy into stress and anxiety and, you know, over sugar themselves and maybe even become addicted. But your purpose is to just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did not take a class on it. My mother and father did not teach me that. I had to bump and fall and shrimp and just face all the challenges that came up uh, because there was a time when I didn't go with the flow. Um, And not going the flow was very stressful and and worrisome and fearful and all of that. And, And I have to equate my spiritual awakening with with turning that around for me. And my spiritual awakening had to do with you know, following the healing process. And, and when you talk about the healing process, most people cringe or they, they go, oh, yeah, I know that. I've already done it or I'm doing it. Um, the healing process. I bought a cup is, of that at Starbucks. Wasn't it called Healing <laughs> Cafe? <laughs> well, you know, see, I, I went through all that. I, I trained and studied with people and I completed certifications and I went away on spiritual retreats, and I I did all of that, and I was looking and searching just like the average student, and, uh, you know, those years were some of the best and some of the worst years, because there were things that, you know, you want to heal, but you don't quite know how, and you have to really find the right teacher, and you have to find the right setting for yourself and the right thing, So, so whatever that is for anybody, it's great. So the first thing I tell people is, you know, what do you, what do you need to heal still? What, what's, still what's still a gaping open wound inside of you 
that is, you know, like that stain on your shirt you can't quite get out, and it's the only thing people notice when they meet you, when they're not really listening to you. I think there's a commercial out there like that. But <laughs> the wound, the wounds have to be healed. And if you're not making an active uh, attempt to heal the wounds, then you're letting the wounds sabotage a lot of things about your life, okay? I had to learn that myself. I had wounds. I had things to heal from. I had to go through the healing process. There is a big difference between someone who has gone through the healing process and is on the other side of the healing process versus somebody who is just beginning or perhaps doesn't even know they need to heal. Um, there's no judgment in that. It's just a different marker on the path. And for people who are on the other side of healing and, and have gone through it and they've, they've done the inner work, their lives are very different than when woundage is leading and guiding you down the path. So going with the flow was kind of a side effect of the healing process for me. So when I got on the other side, I was like, okay, now I'm healed and I have certificates and I need to go start a practice. And I did. And I became a Reiki master teacher in two different forms of Reiki. And I started a practice and I worked with, you know, clients and taught lots of students all over the place and did that for a few years. And it was very fulfilling and it was great until I burnt out. So when I reached the healer burnout, I realized that, you know, it, it was a, I needed to stop. So I did. I shut it all down. I, I, re, I retired from that. I, I closed my practice down. And I knew that my students were out there doing great things, and that was great. So I felt accomplished in that, and I felt okay with it. And there was a little grief and a little sadness over it because, you know, like anything, whatever you're doing, you, you fall in love with and you get used to, and it's routine and it's all that, and it, you kind of define yourself by that. Um, and then I went into, uh, you know, I, was, I had young kids, and so I was raising kids, and I became very involved with being a mom and, and doing what moms do when their kids are young. So... Um, the flow thing when you're a mother can be very hard because your kids don't really know what that means. And when you, you, you know, you have to learn how to discipline, you have to learn how to create boundaries and, and be a teacher. You have to kind of be a doctor. You have to be everything all under the label of mom, right? So I think my mother years were probably some of the most intense spiritual training I ever did on top of everything because, the, you know, your kids are mirrors of you in lots of different ways, and you can try to do the best that you can, and sometimes you make mistakes or sometimes there's challenges within that whole dynamic. So for the years that I was raising my kids and, and uh, you know, it was – I was applying the spiritual work that I had gone through because I had gone through a lot of that before and even during when they were young. Um, so I was really grateful that I had that training because – I didn't really know how I would have gotten through some of that without that. So I feel for young mothers who are going through the challenges of perhaps being a single mom or having multiple kids without any spiritual background or any spiritual beliefs to fall back on or any techniques to use, even just for your own sanity, because you have to remember you're still a woman. You still have other things that define you besides just being a parent. So my kids are grown now. They're off to college, and I'm, I'm start of I'm in a semi-empty nest situation. So now it's a little weird because, 
you really do define yourself by what you do. So being a parent, you're never really not a parent anymore. You're just the way the parenting happens changes. So I can equate that as an analogy for the healing process and for being spiritual and going with the flow. I mean, to get to a point with your kids where you have to learn how to go with the flow because you might have one thing on your mind for the day and suddenly that's completely thrown out because someone's vomiting all over the place or they've gotten sick or, you know, crash and burn and temper tantrum time. So you, you have to be very flexible. So it was good practice. And as my kids got older and I had to step back a little bit and let them find their own way through things, it was also very similar to how I was teaching my students years and years ago because students have to learn to become their own te- you know, they have to learn to graduate from meeting you as your teacher to moving on into their own life and how they want to uh, be and how they want to use what you've taught them. So it was very similar to that, to being able to let go of students and let go of your children and, and let go. So all of these things are very spiritual, right? But you're not paying anybody a fee to be a parent. You're not paying anybody a fee to, you know, watch your students go out into the world and do their thing. Um, So my spirituality is really based in the fact that groundedness, whatever makes you grounded, you have to really love and treasure. And that may change. It It may transform into something else over the years as we age and get older. But the groundedness that you have and the ability not to get attached into other people's stuff is something else I learned to navigate because of my experiences and and what I was doing. So, you know, it's okay to love without becoming attached to the outcome of things. Uh, Expectations really have to be low (laughs) most of the time because going with the flow doesn't mean that your whole thing is planned with an itinerary of A, B, C. You know, it's not outlined and this is exactly how it's going to happen. Um, you have to be able to be flexible. It's just like in conversation. You know, if you come to uh, at the table to have a conversation with somebody, like I did over the years on the air, you, you can have some kind of expectation about what you're going to talk about maybe, especially if you're hosting, but you really don't know what magic is going to be created. And so the less, the less you have an expectation, the better the conversation is going to be because you're going to be talking to someone without an agenda, without an opinion. You know, you're not thinking about what you're going to say next while they're talking. Uh, being a radio host taught me the value of listening. And I became a very, very, very good listener, not only being on the air, but being a teacher and also being a parent. So listening, I'd have to say, is something that I learned to treasure as I got older. And I will continue to because you can you can navigate everything somebody says without saying a word. And you just have to allow it allow it to present itself and you have to make an assessment of, of how you're going to react to that or interact with that. And I find most of the times when you stay away from trying to debate something or prove right, conversation has some of the most beautiful synchronicities and and going with the flow. I I mean, I've met many people in my life, uh, people I didn't know before, and the conversations were incredible and beautiful, but also very leading and guiding because maybe they would tell you about a book 
or they would tell you about a place, or they would talk about a person that they thought you should meet. So there's always some kind of golden nugget in a conversation if you're willing to show up and listen. And I think that's just a simple life lesson, and you don't have to go pay someone $10,000 to take a work on a weekend workshop to learn that. It's something that you, you navigate and you nurture and you allow to happen organically so that these treasures can help guide you in any situation. I, I so agree with you about, uh, well, about everything that you've said, of course, but in the essence of the listening and from a sacred spiritual perspective, uh, listening is so much more, I say it often, than one of the five senses. Uh, there's a deepening that happens with engaged listening that you often are responding to what isn't being said. The long pause, you know, or the the space in between a sentence or two. And to me, that's so about the magic of what that is. And it's, it's, it is being comfortable. I, I like to call it the unedited life where you can just be and, and just be in that place of being. And, uh, my shamanic teacher, um, that was the last thing she said before she died was that was the magic to life, that that was the thing that she really learned if there was a takeaway of all that she needed to know was that all she ever needed to be was to just be. <laughs> and it sounds so simple. The practice is. Well, it does. People don't understand it. They don't understand. Mm-hmm. What do you mean just be? I have things to do today, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, I have bills to pay. I have, I have the house to clean. I have real life stuff going on. I have a job. I have this. You can just be in any situation. You can just, be mindful, clear, grounded, uh, aligned with yourself, you know, and still it's a, it's a practice. You have to practice it consciously until it becomes habit. And if it's not habit, you're still practicing. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it took me a while to, to practice and practice and practice and practice until it became habit. And, you know, anybody who comes around me now knows I know my boundaries and I keep them very clear and I have no problem saying no. Um, it's, it's not that I don't have challenges. It's not that I don't get mad. It's not that my life is perfect because perfect is an illusion. There is no perfect. There is never a better time coming down the road. There is just now. You only have this moment. And then you carry along with you most of the time, most people do anyway, what has happened to you. And in my case, you know, I tend to focus on the beautiful things that have happened to me, but that wasn't always the case. I used to focus on the trauma and the things that had happened to me because there's a certain point where people will identify with the the trauma, okay? They'll identify with the the sad story. They'll identify with the abuse, and that becomes their identity, and it's it's a false identity because when they get on the other side of the healing process for whatever it is that, that has hurt them, they realize that 
they are something completely different. And that's when the real magic starts to happen. And that's when you start to align with your purpose. And that's when you start to see the path cleared of sabotaging obstacles. And once you have admitted to yourself that you have contributed to the sabotage in many ways, then you start to realize how powerful you really are and how powerful your thoughts are and how powerful the inner speak is. And then it's even more, you know, when you, when you verbalize that, your, the choice of words, the choice of when to speak or not. I mean, I can tell you right now, Temple, sometimes I, I'm an intimidated, I'm, I'm tall, I, I have a loud voice, I don't mind speaking my mind. A lot of people are very intimidated by me just in my physical presence. But I have to tell you, the most intimidating around you know, people who have, have been intimidated is when I'm completely quiet and I don't say anything. Because silence is something many, many people are extremely uncomfortable with. They feel That's like they have sure. to fill up. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is. Space. They're so uncomfortable with the quiet I crave quiet I'm good with it I, I like I'm I work in my home I have a beautiful space I have worked really hard to create a, a very comfortable atmosphere I, I, I decorate I, I'm very mindful in aesthetics in my space and, and I enjoy it and that's part of the artist in me too so you know, being an artist, I have learned to really super appreciate the creative energies that stir. And that includes all spectrum of emotion. That includes transformative uh, experiences and energy. You know, if you have something very sad happen to you, you know, if you lose somebody you love, somebody dies, you get diagnosed with an illness, or, you know, you have some personal thing that you, you come up against. Because even after going through all the work, you can still have things happen to you. And one of my personal pet peeves in the spiritual communities is that when disease does come, there's a lot of judgment. Well, you're not a spiritual enough person. Well, you didn't meditate good enough. Well, you didn't. It's just a spiritual arrogance that kind of runs through some veins, in, in, especially in New Age communities. And these people are shunned or, or pushed out. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's what we're meant to do. I think that's really insulting. Because we're human beings and we're, we're created to be in community. We're, you know, we have, uh, you know, if you separate a baby from nurturing and physical touch, it usually dies, right? We are born to be with other people. We are born to be connected. The connective energy with the mothers and the father and, and as we grow up with our friends and our siblings and all of these things, we need that connection. So we, don't, we should never dump somebody off on the side of the road because we've deemed them unspiritual because they have cancer or they have some kind of disease going on. This is just a stage. This is life giving you an opportunity to get closer to yourself to know when to ask for help, to know when to say no, and to reevaluate where you're at so that you can change what needs to be changed. It doesn't mean it's going to make it go away, but it can, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean it. Sometimes 
the, the, the path of, of disease and going into the death path is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I worked for hospice for two years as part of my uh, hours for my non-denominational ministry. And that was some of the most life-changing work I've done personally because holding vigil for people as they have that dying moment for the families around the person, I saw really clearly how uh, the two different stances that you can take at that time really do change your experience and as you cross over. So if you're, you're full of resentment and you haven't, you haven't made peace with the things or the people that you need to make peace with, it changes your dying experience. If you have, it totally changes your dying experience. And uh, I was fortunate to be present with my grandmother when she took her last breath. I was the only one in the room. I was there when she crossed over. Um, it was an extraordinary experience because even though I had, I had worked in hospice, it was never my family that was dying. And of course, you're not yeah. really the person holding the person's hand when they actually cross. You're a supportive person. You're holding space. It's much different than being the one to hold the hand and say, you know, go to the light, Grandma, right? So when she crossed over and I had that experience with her, I realized how important it is for somebody going through anything that has to do with a physical body, especially if it's progressing to death. It is for people to show love and kindness and care and nurturing. And we really, that's, that's our superpowers as human beings, right? Our superpowers are to be care, uh, to be caring and to be kind and to show love and to show nurturing and to keep that as a sacred space. So I hope when I, when it's my turn to go, I have somebody in my space who can do that well, because I can really appreciate how that, changes everything. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I've been teaching for years is that spirituality, the more spiritual you become, the more human you become. And the creator's wisdom, we're designed as human beings. And I I feel that um, what you were alluding to earlier, we call metaphysical malpractice. And not only we'll take a stand for it, but won't have it. I know here in our spiritual community, we have thousands of people that come in and out of these doors all the time, and we will not tolerate self-righteousness um, towards people. That is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. And there was an era, a period of time, when people were known for that, and it's pathetic. <laughs> really, there's just no... No excuse for it yeah. whatsoever. Well, we're coming on to the end of our of our time, and I know you had a couple of events that you wanted to make people aware of, and that's important that we get that out there. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be speaking at the New Life Expo in New York City next month on October 27th in the Sky Lounge on the 39th floor of the Hotel New Yorker. I'll be doing a book signing before and after. I'm going to be talking about being mindful in a digital age. And, of course, I'll be talking about my book. Uh, it's going to be a great lecture. I hope people can make it. And next fall, I know it's a little bit far away, <laughs> but I'm bringing Maria Wheatley from the U.K., who is a notorious master dowser. And she is one of the leading female voices on megalithic Sites, and we're going to be touring the American ancient sites here in the northeastern United States during fall peak 
uh, time. And we're going to be practicing dowsing. She's going to be giving a lecture. Uh, she's only here. It's a seven-day tour, and if people want to sign up on the wait list for that, they can go to my website, and they can just submit their name, and they'll be given more details as we as we get ready to open registration early spring next year. Well, Hillary, it's been such a pleasure, and who knows, one of these days, maybe your flow will bring you to the flowing St. Pete Beach, Florida, and you'll look me up. But in the meantime. I am thrilled to connect and to know the work that you're doing. And it'll be interesting to see what is next on your journey because I have a feeling it's just beginning. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure having you. Everyone, please go to HillaryRamo.com. That's Hillary with two L's, R-A-I-M-O. And as always, it's a pleasure to have all of you. And thank you for sharing the show with other people. And thank you. Because of you, we are um, known on Unity Online Radio. And we appreciate so much uh, your continuation of offering support. Many blessings to this amazing journey we call life. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.